Podcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the city of innovation, education, and of course, Fenway Park, this is TI Clergy Corner, a weekly podcast that brings you timely, insightful, and impactful weekly sermons. In this episode, we'll hear a live recording of Rabbi Jen Gubitz's Yom Kippur Family Service Sermon delivered on Wednesday, October 9th, 2019, entitled, Living by the Moon, Making Jewish Choices in Today's World. So I have a couple of stories. There was some unexpected chaos on the fourth day of creation. It was on that day the book of Genesis teaches that God made, how many lights are here? Two, one to dominate the day and one to dominate the night, setting them in the sky to shine upon the earth and to separate light from darkness. Day four got a metaphysical thumbs up. Keto, because God saw that it was good. Ordering chaos was going better than expected. These two great luminaries, we call them the sun and the? Started out as equal size and illuminating powers. But then they got into an argument like siblings. And one said to the other, I'm bigger than you are. To which the other responded, no, I am more powerful than you. And so the son went to God and said, master of the universe, there's only enough room in the sky for one of us. The moon didn't really want to bring God into this, but quietly agreed. So what did the Holy One do so that they might have peace and stop fighting? Well, God, this creative Midrash story tells us, saw that they were going to have some difficulties because they're siblings throughout their lives and made a decision. And God said, son, you shall be larger and more powerful than moon. Your size and strength shall dominate. Oh, moon is pretty upset. But, God continued, your request shows very poor judgment, for within great power are the seeds of destruction. You, my son, now so great and glorious, will be blamed for famine, for endless heat. Your fiery rays will give sunburns and cancers and burn out the eyes of those who stare at you. No one will ever gaze upon you again. Sun gulped as its rays grew longer and longer and hotter. Now this wasn't exactly the answer the moon was hoping for either. Master of the universe, really? The moon asked. Yes, God replied. But as compensation for my decision, go and rule both during the day, along with the sun, and during the night. Have you ever looked up and seen the moon out during the day? Well, this story says why. You, sweet moon, will be smaller and less powerful but you will bring comfort to all who gaze your way. Poets and lovers and artists will be moved by your hazy afterglow. You moon will be ever changing, ever watched, admired and mysterious. The ocean tides will be yours to control and no two days will ever be the same. Every night you will grow and change. Every movement will be studied and glorified. Time will be measured by you, cycles calculated through you, and the calendar fixed by you. In each month, you will be blessed. But still God knew Moon was sad, feeling diminished by the heat of sun, and so God promised, Moon, the Jewish people will count their days and years with you, and this 
will be your greatest gift. Now, when I imagine the sun and the moon in my youth, the sun always wore sunglasses, and the moon always wore pajamas. The writers, right? Clip art thinks so too. The writers of this story probably didn't believe that sun and moon had faces or feelings. Instead, they sought to understand the creation of the world and the ways of the world, and they were trying to figure out how to be Jewish in a world that was not. The moon's glow would always be smaller than the hot rays of the sun, but the Jewish people would live by it, and this is the foundational creative story of Jewish time. But our challenge would be this. Jews would live by the light of the moon amid a majority of the world who basked in the sun. Being Jewish in a world that is not is really hard. Does anyone agree? Yeah. When Saturday and Sunday mark the work week's end, and everyone's at brunch while I'm at Torah study, but Shabbat, as the Jewish day of rest, runs from Friday night through Saturday night, and the pace of our week allows us no time to get ready for it. And our kids' soccer games are on Saturday morning, or the high school musical is on the first night of Passover, or graduation is on Friday night or during Shavuot, when we receive the Torah at Mount Sinai. Or like last week, when the shofar blast announced the new moon and Rosh Hashanah, there was also a Red Sox game down the street. And the Temple Israel parking lot was full. Or how three years ago, Salesforce had their biggest conference on the year, beginning on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. Or last year, Boston's public school system didn't understand why kindergartners could not begin their first day of school ever on our Jewish New Year. It was so hard for so many families. Living, in a Jewish living Jewishly in the modern world, we vacillate between the sacred and the secular. I'm not saying the Red Sox aren't sacred. See, a Red Sox keeper. I am suggesting that no one looked at the Jewish calendar when they made their game schedule. Save for an unlikely move to Israel to solve this challenge, it's hard to choose when to live according to Jewish time and when to yield to the provocation of secular time. And guys, this year it's personal. There's a concert of one of my favorite groups, the Whale and Jennies, that I really want to go to on the second night of Passover. And don't get me started that Sarah Bareilles is in town this Friday night. Okay, I'm going. It's my birthday. Rabbis are human. So how do we do it? How do we make Jewish choices when the world is asking us to choose otherwise? Well, there's a story about someone pretty famous who thought really hard about this question. Any guesses of who he is? Sandy Koufax. I can't believe I'm going to talk to you all about baseball, but here goes. On the afternoon of October 6, 1965, the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Minnesota Twins assembled on the field of Met Stadium outside Minneapolis for game one of the World Series. Now, Sandy Koufax had pitched a perfect game the month before, but guess who was standing on the pitcher's mound that day? Don Drysdale. Why? Because it was Yom Kippur and Sandy Koufax was at Temple, just like we are. This wasn't the first time he chose Temple over baseball. He did it in 1959 when the World Series coincided with Rosh Hashanah, and he didn't pitch then either. And he made that same choice earlier that year when a game fell on the first night of Passover. One of the greatest pitchers in history, baseball was his passion, his work, and his life. 
But at the end of the day, Sandy Koufax chose to run home to Temple. So how can we be like Sandy Koufax? How do we make choices about how to live Jewish in secular time? So first, look around you, because you are surrounded by everyone else who shares this challenge and made it here today, but some of whom, I'm guessing, feel the weight of a very important work project. Right, parents? Or a math test, maybe tomorrow. Right, kids? Or had a coach tell you that you can't play this weekend if you don't show up for practice today. Sound familiar? You're not alone in that. But what would it feel like to tell your dance teacher you can't make that recital because you have to go see your cousin read from the Torah in Connecticut on his bar mitzvah? And what would it feel like to miss your lacrosse practice every Monday night or maybe every other because you've decided becoming part of the tent for our teens at Temple Israel is how you want to spend your time? These are hard choices. What would it feel like if you said, no, boss, I can't respond to emails from Friday night to Saturday because in our family, we celebrate Shabbat by stopping our work and taking a break. Sometimes we go to temple because let's be honest, you deserve a break and the work will still be there for you when you return. And when you think you finished your work, it's a trap. There will be more. It will not stop unless you stop it long enough to bask in the light of the moon. Which brings me back to our beloved moon. Moon may be smaller and less powerful than the sun, but do not underestimate moon's power to transform our lives. Moon has been renewing herself day after day, month after month, year after year, since the dawn of creation. Moon is the same moon upon which our ancestors gazed and will be the same moon shining upon our descendants. And the moon knows what it's like to share space with the sun. The very act of living Jewishly is about sharing space, dwelling in the in-between. It's countercultural. Sometimes it's isolating, but it's also inspiring, life-affirming, and full of blessing. As the moon grows each evening bigger and brighter, it is up to us each day and each month to begin again and to make a Jewish choice, even if it's hard. And when the outside world's pull feels strong, remember the sight as you look around you today. The struggle to live Jewishly in our modern world is timeless, but here at Temple Israel, we are never alone. Shana Tova. Thanks for listening to TI Clergy Corner. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll visit our website, www.tisrael.org slash clergycorner. This has been a Temple Israel of Boston production. Join us next time for another episode of TI Clergy Corner.